Hi, this is That Night, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is Matt Boisclair, and Easter Sunday turned into another disaster as we lost our third match in a row with a 3-1 defeat at Villa Park, having held the lead going into the last 12 minutes of the game. How badly will this result affect our survival chances? Danny and Baldo are with me to go back over the game, so let's get right into it. Fulham. All right, chaps. Well, it was Scott's first starting eleven for a couple of weeks. We said there would be a riot if Mitrovic didn't start, but he did. Bobby Reed was back in the side and Loftus Cheek also. Probably our strongest lineup at the moment. Any complaints, Baldo? No, I don't think so. Yeah, as you mentioned, given, and we saw discuss this on the Villa preview podcast, if Scott Parker didn't pick Alexander Mitrovic, there were no excuses for it. So the situation sort of forced his hand, if you would. So yeah, he's obviously going to be picked. So yeah, no complaints. And when you look at that lineup with the likes of Luckman, Loftus Cheek, it's a good, you know, we've complained about Scott Parker being too defensive in recent weeks and everything like that. But the fact there was some clear attacking intent from there, I'd say the perfect lineup, all things considered. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I had no complaints with the lineup. So um, I, I know obviously the result didn't go our way in the end, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I would have picked the same lineup. So I can't fault him for that. And, and I think now that we're out of the phase of the season where we're playing two games a week, and it, it was ridiculous. Going into the new year, we were playing like every three or four days. And I think benefit of the doubt had to go to Parker. I think there was a bit of tolerance with his selections because he had to rotate the team. Now we're in a position where there's eight well, eight cup finals going into yesterday's game, one game a week. I don't think we should be tinkering because tinkering suggests that you're not in control of the situation and you don't actually know what your best lineup is. So... On paper, I think that is our best 11. And although we didn't win, if that 11 is fit, I think that's the 11 we should stick with going into the next game and the game after that. And a bit of continuity might be the key to keeping us up. Well, the other good bit of news before the game was that Jack Grealish pulled up in training um, a couple of days ago and wasn't available for selection for Villa either. It did really feel positive before the game, didn't it? Particularly with Newcastle only getting a point at home to Spurs. It felt like it was going to be our day. Yeah, although things could have gone a lot better if Newcastle had lost to Spurs. So there's only there's only so much you can control in that situation. But yeah, yeah, as I've as I've sort of said, you know, in the past couple of weeks, I am of the mindset that so long as we keep Newcastle within three points uh towards the last game of the season then I think we're in a pretty good position. Obviously, I'd love to be be like five points clear of them. But if we could just stay within three points, and the fact that we went into the game three points behind them, you know, it wasn't a total disaster. And obviously, with the Jack Grealish news, you're thinking, oh, hang on. The phrase one-man team is a bit of a cliche, but when you look at the impact that Jack Grealish has, you could sort of make that argument for them. So, yeah, going into the game, incredibly positive. It just it's, it feels like things are falling apart a little bit at the moment to me. We've we've lost our last three games. Our unbeaten away record is now gone, just completely disintegrated in that last sort of twelve minutes or so at Villa Park. And now we've got seven matches left. 
Um, what are we? A couple of points behind Newcastle now. Three points behind Newcastle. They've they've got a game in hand. We've got to play again on Friday night before they do. So we could still, if we got up three points against Wolves, claw ourselves out of the bottom three. But then they'd have those two games in hand. Um, I'm I'm less confident now than I was a couple of weeks ago uh, before that Leeds game. How about you, Danny? What are you thinking at the moment? My main concern at the moment is that. The whole season, pretty much, since we've we've had the likes of Anderson in the team, I've admired the way we've stuck to our principles. We seem comfortable playing the ball out from the back and there didn't seem to be any panic or nerves about the situation we was in. It's, it felt like, although we was chasing the pack, we were still in control. Uh, and obviously, when you're 10 points behind, it's easy to play because you've got nothing to lose and people have written you off. It seems that we've fallen apart since we beat Liverpool at Anfield and put ourselves within a couple of points of Newcastle and Brighton. And then it, all of a sudden it was in our hands. And that's a completely different situation to be in. And I, I just feel that we are bottling it, if I'm honest. The Man City game in isolation, you know, Man City do that to everyone. But it's, I think it's the manner in which we lose the games now. We're uh, making silly mistakes. We seem to lose concentration. And... I don't even think there's as much of a togetherness about the team. It's like something's missing now. There doesn't seem to be that same hunger to survive. I do think it is down to the fact that the nerves are getting to him because we are so close to getting out of the bottom three and, and making that final step is often the hardest one. Well, what you've also got to bear in mind as well is that we've got seven games to go and probably we're going to need three wins out of those seven games. We've only got five all season. So we've now got to win the best part of half of our games that we've got left to, to be in with a shout. And the, we're just running out of time, running out of games. And like I said, my my feeling now is is certainly not as um, optimistic and as positive as it was before that Leeds game, having seen the way that we played against Leeds and the way that you know we've uh, we played in that last quarter of the game against Aston Villa. Let's look back at what happened in the game anyway. So Mitrovic was involved immediately, getting a shot on target inside three minutes and then had a less than fruitful effort from distance a few seconds later when Martinez was a little bit out of his goal. Um, but then he bought another save from the keeper all inside 10 minutes. Baldo, it was a positive start from our number nine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It sort of brought me back to the uh, very few occasions where he's come off the bench, I think, against West Ham and I want to say Brighton as well. But it was in those 10-minute cameos at the end of the games where you could see an immediate impact of what he can bring to the team. It was pretty much the same thing. As soon as Mitrovic gets involved, you can see, right, this is what he can do. Obviously, you'd like him to have finished a couple more, but at least with him, he's creating chances. He's getting shots on target. He's creating opportunities. It is what we have been missing all season. It was just delightful to see him, as you say, straight back in the action. Really, the first half was devoid of great chances, though, wasn't it? Apart from that bright opening. There was one for Anderson with um, with 10 minutes to go of the first half when Lutman whipped in a free kick, but it kind of came at him a bit quickly. But this is another gripe of mine. The fact that we're just so uncreative. Is that a word? We lack creativity, Danny. Yeah, massively. Although we had the better chances in the first half, we were feeding off of scraps, if we're being honest. Uh, they were all half chances. The only positive I would take from that first half is that I think physically we looked strong in the final third for a change. We looked like we was able to force chances and, and force mistakes out of the opposition. 
uh, the likes of Bobby Reed and, and Loftus Cheek being able to drive forward into that final third of the pitch, and obviously Mitrovic being you know the big strong striker up front. I just felt it, it gave us more of an option, uh, but I, I don't know what the answer is to be honest because. Who else has got that creative spark? I think Lookman was that player, but I would argue that he's a bit of a one-trick pony now and he's been found out. You often see with players or a team, they, they have a really good spell and you think, oh, they're amazing. And then all of a sudden, one team works out how to stop them uh, and then the next team will do the same, the next team will do the same. And then all of a sudden you think, oh, no plan B. And, and I kind of feel that way about Lookman. Uh, I think he's a little bit overrated, if I'm being honest. But whatever we do, we, we need to start creating something quickly because at the moment we are trying to keep the game tight, still conceding goals, and then trying to outscore the opposition with two or three chances in a match. It's just, it's, it's never going to get you a win. You talk about keeping it tight as well. I mean, that, there was that penalty incident right on half time, and we we defended pretty well. Villa had offered very little going forward, and then we were almost the architects of our own downfall right on the half time whistle. Mario Lamina was just very, very casual with the way that he took a touch on the ball, and Ollie Watkins blindsided him. And Lamina, his instinct was just to lunge in. And he was incredibly fortunate that he got a shoelace to that ball before taking Watkins down. Because in the cold light of day, that looked like a penalty, didn't it, Baldo? Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is one of the days where I want to sort of gloat in my yay VAR came and saved us. But obviously, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't. But that sort of incident, because Lamina had been sort of he'd been bringing this upon himself all the way through the first half. There'd been a couple of you know clumsy challenges out wide and all that stuff. I think he was all I think he was already on a yellow at this point before the before the penalty incident. And it was that sort of that sort of moment that incident if I was Scott Parker I'd have taken Lamina off at half time because he was looking too much like a loose cannon and you know almost gave a penalty away. He just didn't seem to be in the game totally and also on a yellow card as well. You have you have that risk. So I would have brought Angisa on at half time rather than leave it till later in the game. Danny, what were your thoughts at halftime? What were you thinking? Obviously, we know now that we lost the game, but at that point in time, did you still think that we'd turn the screw a little bit on Aston Villa in the second half and come out fighting? Well, I think the the penalty for me was going to be a massive turning point in the game. Being just before halftime, I thought if, if that had been a penalty and they had scored, it probably would have killed our confidence. But the fact that it was overturned, I think, swung the momentum and back in our favour. Gave us a reason to go into the break positive. And I thought we'd come out stronger in the second half and dominate the game a bit more. I mean, although we created more of the chances and you could really see Aston Villa lack that spark without Jack Grealish in the team, there was still a lot of occasions where we gave away cheap free kicks uh, in our own half. And it was almost as if from a, an organisation and a defensive point of view, we was a, a yard off the pace and we was forever chasing shadows. That, that's how it felt to me. We, we was, I mean, you refer to Lamina there. There was a couple of occasions where he was on the wrong side of his player he was marking and he was just bundling into him. I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's the fact that we've just come back from an international break and we didn't have our match sharpness. But I thought from a defensive point of view, I, I thought from the off, we looked a, a, a little bit off the pace. And that's worrying because Aston Villa had nothing to offer. I think we can make excuses every week when we do when we lose. You know, 
you know, you can you can look at that Man City game and and say, oh well, they do that to everybody, but they do beat everybody. Of course they do. But we gave them three goals in that game. They didn't tear us to pieces. We we gave away three silly goals against Leeds. We just weren't at the races. We weren't good enough against Villa. We weren't we weren't good enough. And you know, it's it's not like we're being beaten by better sides. We're just making stupid mistakes. And in the environment that we're in and the situation that we're in, where we we need you know, three or four wins out of these, these last now seven games, there's just no margin for error. And that's our fault. That's our that's our fault and it's our problem because we haven't won enough games throughout the rest of the season. So that's why we're in this position. And you just can't make these silly mistakes in the position we're in. Um, you've spoken, Danny, about Adam Oda-Lutman's injury, which was right after half-time. Um, he was replaced by Caviero. And I guess now we'll see quite what his contribution is and how much we miss it if he's going to be out for any length of time. But then on the hour, Aston Villa were the architects of their own downfall. Um, they made a series of mistakes which let Alexandra Mitrovic in. He took it round Martinez and rolled it into the goal. Baldo, talk us through the goal. What were your thoughts when that hit the back of the net? Um, just sheer joy because it was just it's just great to see Mitrovic back on the score sheet, you know, in a Fulham shirt. You know, regardless of how the goal goes in, you know, as much as we would like it to be, you know, a Kene Tete cross to the back post and Mitrovic with a thumping header in, especially you because you had money on it. Um, as much as we'd like it to be that, any sort of goal that Mitrovic can get is fantastic. And there have been times this season where that goal doesn't go in for us. You know, Caviero, for instance, has the ball and he shoots it too early. Or he, you know, as he rounds the goalkeeper, he takes too heavy a touch and he can't quite finish it. There have been so many times that season where that sort of thing would have happened. But the fact that Mitrovic was with his, you know, striker's instinct, it was just great to see. And the fact that he's still, you know, so alert in that situation to be ready for any sort of mistake that the defence makes. So, yeah, just, you know, fantastic all around. We just wish that it could have been, you know, the crowning glory of the game rather than what was to happen later. Yeah, that was obviously the positive moment of the game. Danny, your thoughts when when Mitro scored? Well, obviously delighted. And I think especially that he'd scored because it justified the the hype that it was surrounding him going into the game. We was all calling for him to play and I think it, it justified that selection. Uh, and also just proves to Parker he has to play and also gives him that confidence and gives that team the confidence and belief in him as the striker. Because if you're playing behind him and you know that you feed him a chance, he'll probably score. It must make a world of difference. You remember the Kenny Tete reaction, I think it was against Chelsea, when he whips in a beautiful ball for Cavalero and he puts it into the river. And you see his frustration. You can't believe, how have you done that? So having someone up front that you know is likely to score a goal must make a world of difference for the, the players behind him. And I, I think the main positive to take away from that game is that I thought Mitrovic looked sharp. Not just the fact that he was able to, to compose to score the goal. I, he looked quick to me. There, you know, there, was a, there were a few occasions where he, he was quick off the mark and, and I, I just thought he looked like he'd lost a bit of weight and just looked fitter fitter and sharper and happy to be in the team. Yeah, I agree with you. That's the good news out of the way. Sorry, mate, before we move on, I just want to touch on the mistakes that are being made at the back. So obviously, Ming's made the mistake 
for uh, Mitro's goal. And then Tossin does similar for theirs. And we made the same mistakes against Man City a few weeks ago. And it seems to me there's this obsession with playing out from the back. Uh, and I think we um, are one of the, the, the worst culprits for it. We don't seem to mix up our play. It has to be very slow out from the back. And instead of controlling the game from the midfield, we seem to want to control the game from our defence. But Tossin in particular has proved time and time again that when he's put under pressure, he's not quick enough on the ball to do that. So I think we do need to start mixing up our game. We've got a few quick players to put in and around Mitro. They're not lightning quick, but they're fast enough. Why aren't we playing the ball over the top more and going a bit more direct into the channels? I don't understand why we have to play out from the back constantly. I think we're the masters of our own downfall. And if you look at our best performances this season, maybe they're a little bit misleading because West Brom in the first half, under no pressure. Everton away, under no pressure. I mean, Everton were basically at walking pace. No wonder our defence looks so good on the ball. But whenever we're pressed high up and put under pressure, we make mistakes. So I don't understand why we constantly have to play this way. We need to start mixing it up more. I think that's a really good point, but I think it's going to fall on deaf ears to some extent because that seems to be the way that teams do it these days. And I used to hate it when, even in the championship, when um, you'd have a couple of players stood right next to the six-yard box and the goalkeeper would play it short and then immediately you're under pressure and somebody just ends up playing a loose ball and immediately you're under pressure again. So I can completely get what you're what you're saying. And we'll come on to Tashin's mistake in a minute, but we need to address the first goal, the equaliser from Aston Villa first. And it felt like in this game, we were just seeing the game out. And I, I didn't really see us under that much threat. I know they brought on Trezeguet and he came on and he put a head of miles wide, but they hadn't really had any shots on target at all, had they? And then all of a sudden, we just went to pieces um, and Trezeguet's equalised. Baldo, was anyone at fault for that goal? It came down our right side, didn't it? And um, it, it looked like a decent finish. Yeah, I think it's a... I, there, there is someone to blame for it, but I just can't quite put my finger on it. You can probably put it on multiple people. But it's funny because earlier in the week, we were discussing, you know, after we put a throwback video out, our 3-1 win against Portsmouth back in 2005, and someone mentioned in the group, about Andy Cole's goal in the game and how he sort of dropped away from the goal in, into space. And it was that similar sort of thing. It was like, it was good centre-forward play from Andy Cole. And it was the same thing for Trezeguet there, just noticing, you know, all the defenders are back there. Oh, there's a space there. I'm going to pull back and make myself available. And he tucks it in the net. So it's probably on someone to, you know, track the runner or defensive midfielder to come and fill that space. As you know, as there probably has been with multiple goals this season, there is someone to blame, but I just can't quite put my finger on it. So I'll just put the blame on all of them, let's be honest. I think it comes down to anticipation. Uh, and more often than not, if you've got a good striker in your team, they're just going to re- react quicker to the situation than the defenders do. I, I don't know if anyone in particular was at fault. I think collectively we just switched off. It was a good finish, but it was a, I thought it was a soft goal. It was at a stage of the game where we thought we was going to just hold on and we were just going through the motions a little bit. Uh, I don't think Villa offered much of a threat and the goal seemed to come out of nowhere. But when the goal goes in, you know, there's been times this season where like Anderson has been fired up and like he'd be in the ear of the others, you know, come on, clapping them, keep, keep going, keep fighting. And I didn't see much of that yesterday. And as soon as they equalised, 
I said to, to my wife, we're going to lose. And she didn't agree. She, she said I was being negative, as always. But I said, no, we're going to lose now. They're not, they're not up for this. And we did. We crumbled. And I just I didn't see that same leadership or fight that I've seen in other games. But why, why did we end up losing? This stupid, stupid mistake from Tashin again. On around about the halfway line, um, he takes a touch and should have just laid it off to um, Olaina at left back. But for some reason, turned his back and headed back towards goal. And he was starting from a standing position when there was somebody putting pressure on him and he just lost the ball. And before you know it, it's another good finish from Trezeguet. Although he's done really well this season, he does seem to get himself in a bit of a muddle sometimes. And the ball gets stuck under his feet and he doesn't know where to go with it. And I think that is part of being right-footed on the left side. His, his angles are a bit restricted. So I think he gets put under a lot more pressure than Anderson does because it takes him a bit longer to find that pass. Um, I don't know, really know what the answer is. Uh, maybe he needs to just go a bit more direct and get rid of the ball quicker. Maybe that's Parker's fault. I, I, I'm just not a fan of it. I think the way we pass out from the back is high risk, low reward. And Tossin is a good defender, but he'd probably benefit more from simplifying his game. All right, mate. Well, let's quickly come on to goal number three. I felt like Aina could have done a bit better at blocking the uh, the cross that came in. It kind of passed Anderson by at the near post as well. And Ollie Watkins had a simple tapping ball, though. Another pretty crap goal to concede for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I know there was just something about, you know, Danny sort of mentions the attitude. I think there was sort of a resignation at that point, um, you know, amongst the amongst the players. Now, once we got 2-1 down and Villa was starting, we weren't going to get back into the game. So I think there was just an element of, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to say they gave up, but there just didn't seem to be as much sort of effort and as much desire to do something as there, as there could have been earlier in the game. And that just sort of confounds itself with, you know, with that guy. You know, all credit to, to Ollie Watkins. He's had, you know, what is a fantastic season, but he shouldn't really be, in that sort of position if the players were working just a slight bit harder. Put it this way. If that had been the other way round and that had been Newcastle and we'd just drawn with Spurs, being 2-1 down and we'd equalise, and then we saw Newcastle play Villa without Grealish, go 1-0 up and then crumble like that, what would we be thinking right now? Like you said, we looked like we'd accepted defeat in one of the games on paper that was more winnable. Uh, and something's got to change because we're still well in this, but we can't be letting our heads drop when we're 2-1 down. It's, it's not right. Well, we've got Wolves next, and as I said, a win will still get us out of the bottom three, but either way, Newcastle do have, or will have those two games in hand once we play that game. But realistically, Baldo, how damaging do you think this result or this the last couple of results is to the belief of the players? I think the results can be damaging, but I do still think there is an element of so long as there is something to fight for. Now, if Newcastle were six points ahead of us at this point, I think you know the attitude might be a little more different. But the fact that you know they're still it's still only three points. It's still you know as it's been the past couple of weeks. You know when Newcastle were one point ahead of us, and then when they were two points ahead of us, and when they were three points, it's still the same thing. It's still keep them within within arm's reach. So I don't think it's going to be that bad. Obviously, they're they're obviously they'll be kicking themselves and they've let this, you know, 
three points, then two points, you don't sort of step away from them or one point step away from them. But I just don't think, I just can't see it being that disastrously bad. Like I can't imagine it being any worse than what West Brom are feeling at the moment, say, given, given their position, even though they've just had a fantastic result against Chelsea. I still, I would still rather much be in our boots and, you know, with no momentum than in someone like West Brom and be like five, six, seven points behind than with, with, than with a little bit of momentum, if you try to see where I'm coming from. What I like about the, the next game against Wolves is that we play first. Uh, and I think that forces our hand a little bit. We just have to go for it and try and go for the three points. We can't second guess what Newcastle's result is going to be. The fact that Newcastle played first and they, and they didn't win, I think in a way a draw wouldn't have been a disaster against Villa. And and I don't think that helps our mentality. I certainly don't think it helps the way Parker gets us going before a game. I always feel with Parker that his downfall for me is that we aim not to lose rather than go to win. Uh, and I think when you're a manager, you it's your choice what style of play you want to play. If you want to be uh, a bit gung-ho and, and go for it all the time and one week you win 4-0, next week you lose 5-6-0, you know, one week you're the entertainer, the next week you're being humiliated. That's your choice. And and equally, if you're a manager that likes to keep it tight and, and play fine margins, you know, 50-50, we might win, we might not. More often than not, you're going to drop points. So if we go down at the end of the season on goal difference, something like that, I won't have much sympathy for Parker because I think you chose to play this way. If we had maybe gone for it a little bit more in the games like Brighton and West Brom, we might not have been in that position. So we're forever playing catch-up, it seems, because when we have the chance to go for it, we don't. We play it safe. And ironically, playing safe might be the reason we go down. So it's fine margins. Last season, I thought we played the same way and we finished on the right side of that fine margin against Brentford. Hopefully this time we do the same again and... It, even finer margins for Parker. If we stay up, I think he's done an unbelievable job. What an achievement that would be dealing with COVID and the short turnaround for pre-season. To keep us up would be phenomenal. But if we go down, the way he's not played Mitrovic, the way we've drawn so many games, I can't help but feel that he has to take the blame for it. So it, it is fine margins how I'm going to look back on this season and look back on the way Parker's managed it. Think about those games that we've got to play as well. We've got those four away games left. Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United away, Southampton away. And then home, we've got Wolves, Burnley, and then that Newcastle game on the last game of the season. We're going to have to just win our three home games and hope for the best, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. I think that's really all we can hope for at this stage. Our away form, historically in the Premier League, hasn't been great. We've had to rely on our home form. So I think that's just going to have to be, you know, more than ever this season. In all seasons, because I was reading a stat the other day that there have been more away wins at this point of this season than there were in the whole of last season. So mm. hopefully things don't come back to bite us, but you never know. All right, well, let's come on to a Scott Parker rating then. Baldo, I'll give you the floor for this one. What are you giving him out of 10? I think he gets a five. The way he set the team up and the team selection, no one can fault him for that. It's just 
you know, and he mentioned it in his um, in his interview with Sky afterwards. It's how it's the game management and how we manage the situation after that that's a problem. I've already mentioned, you know, Lamina. I would have I would have dragged him off for half time because he was looking at liability for someone like Angisa, um, and just just general substitution substitutions and game planning and when we go a goal up, how do you change things? And even when it gets to one all, how do you? tweak things to right okay let's hunker down let's not do anything stupid here so i'd say probably when it balances out I'd, i would say a five yeah i'd also say a five as well but i find his um his post-match press conferences where he kind of talks as if he knows what's wrong that's fine as long as he fixes it but then to keep being the same in the next game you've got to look at him and think this is your fault you know, you can sit there and say, well, the players haven't stepped it up this week. But ultimately, you carry the can as the manager. And and he hasn't got it right the last couple of couple of games. And it's a worrying time of the season for things to start going wrong. Anyway, uh, Danny, how about you? What would you give Parker for this game? I'm going to give him a six because I think his lineup, to be fair to him, was the lineup that I would have played. So I had no complaints with that. And we did take the lead. The game plan seemed to be working to an extent uh, and it was only really the players losing concentration and really crumbling. So I think the players have to take a lot of responsibility for that result. I'm more just going to judge Parker across the season and how he's he's approached every game. Every game has been the same. We've kept it tight and we rarely go for it. I mean, I don't know how we're going to win three games out of our last seven when we've only won five all season. It's just, I, I don't think it's a lack of quality. I think it's a lack of intent to win games. Too frightened to lose. But, you know, we, we're judging him on this result. I'll give him a six. I, my, I think the only mistake he made was that I would never start Angisa because I don't think Angisa really has the end product you need when you're trying to win a game or trying to score a goal. But as soon as you go 1-0 up, he's the first player I would bring on because he doesn't lose it. He, keep, he retains possession and he controls that midfield. He, can, he keeps the ball, he keeps the, the tempo how we want it. Uh, and for me, that was his biggest mistake. I can't believe we were winning 1-0 and, and Giesa didn't play at all. But I think the players have to take responsibility for the way we lost that game. Uh, and I'll give him a six. All right, chaps. Well, let's draw a line under this one, I think. I don't think we need to... Uh you know, disappear off into a black hole anymore about this one. Let's just let's just forget it ever happened and move on to the next one. Thanks for joining me, you two. Um, that was never going to be much fun, was it, to be honest? We'll be back on Thursday morning to look ahead to the Wolves game, which is on Friday night. So speak to you then. Cheers. Fulham.